thing that really helped me keep going though was the kindness of strangers and friends that I hadn't talked to in years. Tons of help in Virginia. Like the the amount of help I received in Virginia as far as people offering to bring food and come out or like letting me stay in their house. Unreal. Um, I, I cannot thank those people enough. Um, everybody that helped me has gotten a handwritten letter, by the way. So, like, I spent a week writing my hand hurt after the trail. But welcome to the hiking through podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is the prodigy, known off-trail as Tyler Lau. He caught the thru-hiking bug in 2016 when he hiked the PCT. Or maybe it was earlier when he became part of the crews that do trail maintenance. Regardless, on December 29, 2018, he became the 10th person and first person of color to do the Triple Crown in a single calendar year. I think his words sum it up best. In the end, I tell people, I just went for a really long walk. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with The Prodigy. Hey, Tyler. Yep. Where are you right now? I'm in Southern California. Okay. Are you hiking on the trail or something? Uh, no. Okay. No. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm living the, what is it? How to put it? PC way, uh, the <laughs> nine to five life right now. <laughs> the office job? Uh, yeah, sort of, pretty much. <laughs> So th- this is my one day to like, you know, be active, but also like get all my chores done before the start of the week again. I hear you on that one. Having read a little bit of, about you and and your your journey, your adventure, I know that you know you had said that you wanted to do the the calendar year triple crown and and that kind of thing to to increase and or spread the message of diversity on the trail. What have you seen from that? Have you seen a response from that of other people getting out there? And you know that that's a it's a great question and it's a tough question to answer because <laughs> I feel like everybody wants this perfect world answer and I can't give that. So I've been messaged by you know several people online through social media saying they were really happy to see me do what I did and were supporting me all the way. And then you also, you run into people. I I did a bunch of trail magic for PCT hikers going northbound this season, Mm -hmm. um, pretty much between April and end of May. And, you know, you'd meet people with like, Oh my gosh, I followed your hike last year. I was like, and it's crazy because, you know, 10 years ago you wouldn't have known anything about my hike. Right. So I'm super appreciative of social media, but I also find it 
a struggle to post and the reactions that I hope to get, I realize aren't what the algorithm on certain sites are going to post. So uh, it's rough because you see people and I don't want to name any names. Mm -hmm. You see them post about their hikes and it's great. It's inspiring. It's awesome. But then it's like, why are they getting all this attention? And why didn't I get any attention? And then you kind of go back to like why I wanted to put a different face out there. And it's like, it's a struggle as a Asian American, as a person of color, as a minority to gain any traction and like visibility and just putting a different narrative out there because one, there's gear companies and comp and organizations that have been dominating the narrative for years. And I feel like only now they're starting to see, Oh, maybe we should start taking some of this stuff seriously that some people like Teresa Baker and other organizations are starting to talk about. It's like, Hey, we always talk about the outdoors being really welcoming and diverse, but why, when I see certain advertisements or most advertisements, do I never see anybody that looks like me? Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question or not, but it's, it's it's a tough one to answer, but uh, from the people I've met personally, it's meant a lot for what they've said. I also realize being online, you open yourself up to the online world of comments and discussions. And yeah. I, that was my first experience with trolls, I guess mm, is the yeah. proper term. Um, the, yep. the video my friend Lewis Rapkin made about my hike, you know, got picked up by Outside Magazine and... Mm-hmm. I saw some of the comments after my hike and it was just, I wouldn't say I expected it, but it was really like disheartening at the same time, seeing some of the comments yeah, and wanting to reply and then starting to reply and then realizing, no, if you reply, you're just opening yourself up to more attack from people that either don't want to listen or are very set in their views. And it's rough because, you know, my goal is to change at least one person's mind and like get them to see what I'm seeing. And just, I think I talked to someone else about it on a different podcast. It's the first step is acknowledgement that your experience is much different from mine. Yeah. Well, and, and the first step is even seeing that there's a problem or that, not even, I mean, problem makes it sound humongous, but that, but that there's a concern that there's an issue of it, that it is a very white, um, activity. Yeah. And that, and that's, and I mean, you kind of hit it, (laughs) hit the nail on the head, but at the same time, when people talk about diversity, I know I brought more of a person of color minority aspect to it. But when you think of diversity, it's, not just the color of your skin, it's True. body type, background, True. ethnicity, you know, religion, sex, gender identity. Like there's so many things that fall under the umbrella of diversity. And especially now in 2019, as we talk more about it and you see certain people like coming out literally 
whether it be online or in your life. And it's like, wait, what does diversity mean to you? Mm -hmm. And, and then you add it to the realm of the outdoors and whether it be through hiking or rock climbing or whatever it is. And it's like, you're right. It has been a certain demographic that's pretty much dominated the landscape. And again, it's, uh, the the word problem I know that's like a hot, yeah. hot word people get you know <laughs> it, that triggers people so it's yes it's always like all right I'm not saying it's a problem but just take a step back mm-hmm. and just look at it yeah well and I and I feel like as, as you rightly pointed out like diversity comes in many different shapes and sizes and and flavors and colors. But the first step with anything is acknowledging, seeing that there are things that can change. Um, Absolutely. And, and kind of what you had done with, with your, with your triple crown was amazing and awesome in so much as it, and this is another buzzword, but it gave representation. You know, if, if I can see somebody who is doing something that might interest me doing it successfully. Maybe that puts the idea in my head that, hmm, maybe I could do that. Maybe I should try it. Maybe I should even contemplate the vague notion that it's something that could be in my world. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely another word that, you know, can draw a lot of attention um, and reaction. And, you know, for me growing up, I didn't have a lot of role models that looked like me per se in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I answer, answered some survey question somewhere, I think during my hike. And it was like, who do you look, who did you look up to growing up? And I was like, well, I didn't really, like I looked up to who everybody else looked up to that I grew up around, but it's like, I thought about it. I'm like, wow, I didn't really have like, I'm just thinking like, even like Asian American actors, you know, the whole, crazy rich Asians thing last year it was like mm-hmm. holy crap <laughs> that was the first time I've seen everybody in a movie that looks like me like actually garner critical acclaim and, and a lot of box office yeah and it's just one of those things where it's like who's going to be the first one mm-hmm. and what community is going to be or like the community are they going to be welcoming because we all put our we have to put our money where our mouth is and i think that's a lot of what you see and hear both in the trail world and outside the trail world or the outdoors it's i feel like most people are really open-minded but when you actually push a little bit yeah i think a lot of people are tentative and they've been afraid to say something in fear of retribution or sponsorships and stuff like that. And now it's like, we need to have this discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's such an interesting discussion to have as long as people can have a conversation about it and not get entrenched with an opinion. Yeah. And even myself, I've had to take a step back at times Cause I get so set in my mm-hmm. beliefs and convictions. I'm like, wait a second. If I'm telling people that I have a different story, shouldn't I be listening to their story? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah so it's a good like it's it's humbling in so many ways i've used that word so many times in all my posts that Mm -hmm. i feel like at some point i'll need to find a different word (laughs) but it's so perfect (laughs) and actually that's the perfect kind of foray into the trail and you being on the trail because i'm i'm a I'm assuming here and, and kind of, and reading some of your posts, maybe, maybe kind of saw a little bit of it from that perspective, but the trail can be humbling when you're out there doing it, particularly doing what you set out to do in the first place, which was the calendar year triple crown. But that wasn't your first foray onto the trail, correct? Correct. Yeah. I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail for the first time in 2016. And that's when I uh, got the idea when I met a guy named Legend, who at that time was trying to become the fifth person to do the calendar year triple. And it blew my mind because I was on my first one. He had just finished the Appalachian Trail. And I met him, you know, right before Idlewild. So about 130 miles on the PCT. And I was just like, whoa, wait what <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing what i'm just trying to get through california right now or like get through the desert so i can get to the sierras and so yes it was not my first time on a long trail but my first time attempting anything quite to that extent right possibly my last time i don't know yet <laughs> give it a little space time and distance and anything is possible at these, this point probably yeah, it's actually something I thought about this morning when I went to a yoga class of like I've I've stepped away from that lifestyle for the last almost seven months now. But I realize I miss certain things a lot. Mm-hmm. There's obviously other things I don't miss. but <laughs> You know, the ideas crept in again of doing something, maybe not full extent, but just ideas. Yes. Yeah. So, possibility yes now what pushed you out onto the trail in the first place the the original time the the pct originally i had grown up in hong kong and california pretty much my whole life hadn't really traveled anywhere outside of i mean i traveled abroad as a child you know going on tours with family Mm -hmm. um, around the world didn't didn't appreciate it (laughs) until i grew older obviously so any children listening to this, please take that to heart <laughs> when yeah. your parents take you abroad. Um, and any parents listening, good, good on you. And I started doing like conservation work and trail work right out of college and met this one group of people at a training. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go hike the PCT after this. I'm like, wait, what's the PCT? And they told me about it. I'm like, wait, I grew up my whole life two hours away from this trail (laughs) and it just like hit me like whoa there's all this stuff out there and then I I did trail work wildland fire conservation work for the next six seven years and the issue with that type of work is it's mostly seasonal and the season to work is the season to hike so either I committed to working or I committed to not working and not having income that year. So it was 2016, 
And I feel like I've told this story before to someone else uh, through an interview. One of my housemates was leaving. I was living in Missoula, Montana at the time. And he was moving to Washington and it just been on my mind like I'm gonna turn 30 this year what am I doing with my life you know kind of the quarter life crisis talk I was having in my head and then when I saw my room uh, housemate Evan leaving you know we decided to have a big brunch like a goodbye brunch and you know everybody cooked something and it was great we're sitting around the table having fun laughing and I kind of stopped everybody as I was getting a pancake like, hey, Evan, I know this is for you, but I just got to tell everybody, I just decided I'm going to go hike the PCT. And it was literally in that moment. Yeah. And <laughs> everybody stopped for a second, you know, seen from a movie, and then they're yeah. like, heck yeah. And then I was like, okay, sorry, now we can go back to celebrating <laughs> Evan. Um, so, yeah, it was 2016, and uh, I turned... 30 and then left for California and put on a way too heavy pack and figured it out pretty early that I didn't know what I was doing really. Even though I backpacked a lot and worked outdoors, I realized a long distance hike or a through hike is very different than an overnight or a multi-day backpacking trip. Yeah. How much time was it between your declaration and you stepping on the trail? Um, you know, I think it was about just under two months. So I tried to work as much as I could to save up. And uh, I spent like another month and a half in Montana. And then I, uh, since I, my parents live in California, I drove back to California and kind of had like two weeks to prep. Uh, and when I say prep, I mean, lay out all my maps and stress myself out and start calling friends who had hiked it before. I'm like, Hey man, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm not sure about this. And they tell me just calm down and go out for a hike clear your head and it helped and that is a very valuable lesson i think for any aspiring uh pct at cdt whatever trail multi-day long distance trip that you're planning is don't get so caught up in the planning part of it that you forget why you're out there and why were you out there at that time I wanted, you know, the cliche answer is I wanted to find myself again. And I think it, it just something drew me to the trail when I first heard about it. I'm like, whoa, you had to hike through California, Oregon, and Washington, and you have the option to go to Canada. The other part of me was, it was more, could I do it? Yeah. You know, the, the ego pride, but also the I've never attempted anything like this before. Like, sure, I've done nine, 10 day trips, but and I've traveled abroad by myself. But this is this is something very different. And I really wanted to connect with the West more, mm-hmm. having grown up in Southern California and not realizing like there's so much out here, whether it be public lands or uh, just outdoor recreational spaces. And and I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn more about the state I grew up in. I wanted to learn more about the states that I'd always heard about and, you know, I'd visited but never quite got to see a lot. And it was more self, 
self-discovery, self-improvement, self-empowerment. And it was, you know, there's, it was scary. I wanted, I wanted to <laughs> yeah. be a little, I wanted to be a little scared. I didn't realize how scary it would be at times, but yeah, I think, I think it changed a little too at times as I was hiking. <laughs> like, why am I out here? What am I looking for? Um, uh, there was another thing of just like, you know, yeah, I, I'd gotten, it took me a while to get over a breakup as well. So I ran a marathon that didn't fix it. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll go hike the PCT. So <laughs> Let's do longer uh, then. Y- yeah, but besides the point, it was just, I kind of joked about that later. As I, as I further along the hike went, I was like, re- I realized how much I enjoyed just the lessons I was learning on trail and how it could be applied to my life overall of just, learning to live with what you have and not wanting more right and just learning what you need and how to use it efficiently and then also discovering the similarities you have with other people and that you're all going through similar experiences but we're all fighting different experiences as well right everybody's got different demons so to speak but did you find yourself having really, I'm going to call it existential conversations, but, but one of the things that I've heard from a lot of people who hike the trail or who is that, you know, you meet these people that you, you've never met before. You may only spend this day with them, but because of this common thing that you guys are doing and because of how the trail kind of strips you down to, the purest sense of yourself, I guess you're having these conversations that are things that you would never usually tell maybe a stranger um, or talk through things that you probably would generally hide in the outside world. Yeah, absolutely. I think there were, there's still a struggle with that at times um, when you meet someone and whether you hike with them for a hundred miles or 10 miles, it's, you kind of, you're always feeling each other out and like everybody's got boundaries and walls up just in case. And I mean, some people don't when they're out there, but which is fine. It's, but I think the closer I got with certain people, the more I was willing to divulge, I guess, about my life. And, um, this is actually something I've been thinking about the last two weeks, um, especially when it comes to like mental health, a lot of people talk about how the outdoors are great for mental health recovery. And I, I, I do believe that to be true, but I think a lot of people, like you said, they, they're fighting demons, they're fighting their history, their mm-hmm. like whatever it is they're fighting. You, you can't know for sure when you're out there. Unfortunately, we saw a very tragic incident yeah. on the AT this year and, um, it's hard. You you don't really know, but I mean, you get a sense of people pretty quickly though, uh, through conversations. Um, but as far as existential, existential conversations, I mean, I had a lot with myself because I hmm. hiked a lot by myself, but I also yeah. would, uh, my friend who I ended up hiking with for probably 1600 miles, uh, my first time hiking the PCT, his name's Siri and, or his trail name's Siri and there was one day in Oregon 
I'd, you know, we, we would hike at different paces and then meet at water stops and then meet at camp. And we ended up hiking for a few miles together. And I was like, Hey, do you ever think about death when you're hiking? (laughs) And he's like, Whoa, (laughs) Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. It's like, no, no, no. Like I just thought about it. And at that time I, I still had a flip flip phone for people that don't know what that is. It's not a (laughs) smartphone. Uh, you flip it up and there's buttons you press. It's not touchscreen, um, but unbreakable. So I didn't hear back from about certain things going on in the outside world, which is great. But at the same time, I found out, you know, a family friend had passed away and a friend of a friend who I'd met before had passed away. And it just got me thinking because there's a lot of time to think when you're hiking. Yeah. Um of just like what what if i suddenly like something happened mm-hmm. you know like it just got me thinking like what would how would my family find out how would my friends find out what would they think and you know i went through a lot of a lot of that that day and it came back to i would hope that they would understand i'm doing something i love and it was, it's not their fault or anything because there's, you know, stuff happens. And I think it was just one of those things. It really just got me going. And, you know, I had, I told Siri and he was like, you know, yeah, I mean, I kind of do, but not to the extent that you're, you're thinking about it. <laughs> I also right. didn't hike with headphones that year. So, um, all I had was my own head and I think, uh, yeah, that would not be something I would bring up even with my own family, really, unless it was initiated by them. Just because you're so vulnerable when you're out there because it's it's you and your pack and whatever you got on you. That's it. I mean, yeah, we all have phones now and GPS devices so you can stay connected, but those people aren't walking with you, per se. They're not right next to you when that thunderstorm's rolling in. Or you're, you misjudged your resupply and you've been out of food for the last three hours and it's a day to the next resupply and, um, or you've been climbing for (laughs) 10 hours and yeah, there's something about it. It's raw, it's real, it's, it's bond, it's bonding. You bond out there over the, the struggle or the suck, however you want to put it. And yeah, you, I feel like a lot of people open up a lot more. And as someone that is an introvert, most of the time, it, it was hard at first, but then, you know, you get to know people and, you know, I found my, what some people call trail family or family, you know, later in the trail. And it was just fun. Like it felt like I always knew them. Like there's these special connections you make on trail. And, and and again, not everybody's out there for that. And that's, completely okay right everybody kind of has their own their own reasons but i've got to assume i mean and i know that it's something that that i at this moment tangentially think about but but realize that it's it's a very real thing is you're out there and you're so far away from anything that could actually help you if something were to go wrong you know so there is always that possibility i mean hell there's the possibility of of something happening when you cross the street as well. But 
I do always go back to that when people are like, aren't you afraid of mountain lions and bears? And like, no, I'm afraid of humans and no offense. It's just like mountain lions and bears aren't out to get people. The way the media portrays that is unfair. Mm -hmm. Not all people are out to get people either, but again, you just never quite know. And just like that analogy with like crossing the street, I'm like, yeah, I'm more likely to get in a car accident today than I am to get mauled by a mountain lion. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't stress about that when I'm out there. I'm like, yeah, there's times when you hear things, you're like, Oh, it's getting dark. Maybe I should set up <laughs> camp. But in the end, I'm I'm still here. And if you're not a little scared and it and you're or sorry, if you're always scared to go out there, what's the point? And if you're always scared when you're out there, what's the point? I I think it pays to have a healthy respect. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't taunt animals if that's <laughs> I don't hope that can come <laughs> off as that. <laughs> No. When when you were having that moment where you were really contemplating death and dying and, and what did that mean? Did that also bring up the question for you of well what is my mark? Of as far as like what What is what is is there any sort of mark that I've left, any legacy, any Yeah, I think about that a lot. I thought about it way more last year when I contemplated quitting, mm-hmm. uh, when I got on the AT, I just, you know, was having a bad go of it. Uh, you know, the weather was horrific and I just kept thinking back to, you know, I'd started a fundraiser called 8,000 miles to 8,000 smiles to raise a dollar for every mile I hiked. Um, I did not hike exactly 8,000 miles. Let me clarify that, <laughs> uh, with alternates and stuff, but, you know, I just, I wondered a bit of like, if I stop, what does this say about me? What are other people going to think? And I started beating myself up. I, I called myself, like I had the, you know, the two guys on the shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, one was berating me. The other one was like, no, nah, you can keep going. But the one that was berating me kept shouting over the other one. And, um, I called myself a coward one day and was like, wait, am I done with this? And I, I remember calling a friend, Sprout, who uh, in 2016 hiked the PCT as well. And I remember having a conversation with her, like, I, d- I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I'm not having fun. I'm miserable. My body is, was aching. I was just recovering from an injury. I had to step off trail for a little bit. I was, you know, the timetable's ticking. And and then, you know, she, she and another friend had even said it best. of like, whatever decision you make, Tyler is going to be the right decision and we'll support you, which was the best thing anybody had said up to that point. Uh, Cause part of me wanted them to just say, yeah, if you're not feeling it, quit or like walk away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wanted to validate it to myself, hearing someone else say it or having me say it like, Hey, I'm done. And them saying, cool. It was almost like an easy out but they didn't give me that easy out. So I kept swinging. Um, (laughs) But going back to the fundraiser, you know, part of it was to raise awareness and funds for organizations that work for diversifying the outdoors. But the other part was that had been kind of 
glanced over was my cousin recovering from a coma. And when I saw him before I started my hike, you know, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, but he was finally awake. He, he hadn't been awake for months. And, you know, there were definitely moments where we wondered, unfortunately, like his parents might've had to make a horrific decision. And, um, but he was awake, but you could tell he wanted to say something to me when I was talking to him and he couldn't, and it just, it broke me down to like, I, I was, I pretty much held back tears and I would go back to that and think, you know, this guy, my family member, his triple crown is just getting up. Yeah. I'm complaining because it's been raining for 27 days straight and it's starting to snow and and I'm cold and uncomfortable. Yeah, and it just I just had to dig deep sometimes and like go back to reminding myself that of like, you know what? You chose to do this. You knew starting in April was going to put you in this position. You have the privilege to do this. You were able to save up every penny you could to do this. I didn't have any sponsorship whatsoever. Like I made the choice to go out there. I had the choice to go out there because I've worked seasonally for so long. Like what job is going to let you leave for nine months and then come back? If, if anybody knows that job, please let me know. But it's... <laughs> It was just one of those things that I had to keep reminding myself in the in the sucky points. It was just like, you always have the choice to walk away. But going back to your question of like, what what's the legacy? What's your mark? I would have to think back, one, to my cousin. And then two, to like, someone asked me this question during a job interview once. Or sorry, not quite a job interview. They wanted to hire me, but I was at a different job. And then they asked me this question like what defines you kind of kind of like that i'm like well it's funny you ask that because i was thinking about this the other day not to life death scale per se but you know in relation it's if i were to go tomorrow i would have to think to myself if i've been able to change someone's life for the better positively would my life have been worth it that was the question i had to ask myself and they, it got back to like, what if someone's six-year-old son is following along and had never heard of, you know, through hiking or backpacking and stuff? And what if I could help inspire them just one little bit to like, hey, I want to go on a camping trip? Because, you know, I, I didn't really have that growing up. I, mean, I went on camping trips, but I didn't really know much about like backpacking and being in the wilderness or the backcountry, and so it was those moments yeah that would come back and i would think about it a lot and they would keep me going and i mean the support again of friends family strangers that would really pull me up but yeah my I, i don't know what mark i've left to be honest i don't think one can really analyze that even six months after a hike like that it's it's really, I guess, depending on the rest of the community and whatever uh, other people say. I uh, <laughs> I don't like to bring up the hike when I meet new people. 
And people were always, <laughs> when they find her, like, why didn't you start with that? I was like, I don't know, man. I don't, that's not how I start conversations. <laughs> like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm a calendar year tool crowner. No, that just, that's just too pompous. And like, what does that really say? Like, no, it's, yeah, it, it, it goes back to being humbled so many times by the trail of just, there's so many times that I became just this little thing and reminded myself that I really am just a blip in this world. But if I can make a positive difference in someone's life, then hopefully this hike will have been worth it. Were you able to, while you were hiking, were you able to touch base with your cousin at all? Like, did he get to any sort of point where you guys could communicate or? No, but uh, I believe my, uh, my extended family would uh, keep him up to date as best they could. Uh, it, it's just hard to know what he was able to process at the right. time. I, mean, I, I could tell he was a lot more aware when I left for the hike, but it was mostly just trying to update my GoFundMe page and Instagram. And it was also a struggle to like keep people updated, especially when I was, being broken down on the AT. Like I didn't want to write anything. It felt like a chore. Um, and I feel like social media has changed that as far as the through hiking scene is. And I, I, again, I think it can be a great tool, but it's also taking away, I think from the experience a lot for me personally, I don't think everybody has the experience, but when you get to town and everybody's trying to get on the Wi-Fi, yeah, uh, it's it's hard. But because I know you know people do want to keep in touch with their loved ones, and I I respect that and I appreciate that. But I also don't like it when I'm in, say, the Sierras and everybody's holding up their phone trying to get a bar <laughs> to yeah. post that they've gone through Forrester or they're on top of Whitney and. At the same time, though, that's their hike. You know, you hike your own hike, and I can't dog anybody for that. It's just, as someone that works on trails as well, when you have people coming up to your work site and we're moving boulders and cutting logs and they're on their phone, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to yell at anybody, but, you know, this is a work zone and this is a very hazardous work site. So, I just hope anybody listening that's planning on doing it or that is, or is hate to say guilty of doing that. Like just be aware when you're out there because you're, you're out in these wild spaces, anything can happen. So keep your senses about you and don't get so sucked into the technology side of things. It, it's almost like being on your phone like that or looking down at your phone like that. You're, you're acting as if you're walking on the sidewalk, which actually can be dangerous in its own way when you do that. But you're not, you're not respecting what nature could do, which you might regret. Yeah. And it's hard to tell people not to hike with earphones in. Um, Cause I know it can be monotonous at times or if the mosquitoes are horrific, it, it's tough. So yeah, whatever experience people are out there for, that's that is their experience. But also be respectful of other people's experiences. Yeah. Now you said on your first hike you didn't have headphones. 
which would lead me to believe that on the second hike you did. Yeah. Yeah. I gave in because I knew going into the CDT that there would be road walking and being someone that like ran cross country in high school and despised running on roads. Uh, you know, I ran with like a little radio. Um, I just, for me personally, I do not like long stretches where I could see where I'm supposed to get. And yet it never <laughs> seems like I'm getting closer like right. that. That is my, uh, Achilles, I guess on longer hikes is, just long stretches where I could see really far and like, oh, I have to get to that plateau. And it's flat, which is fine, but it kills me. So I, I yeah, I got headphones, I downloaded music, I downloaded podcasts, and um, I did end up using it while hiking on the trail as well. It just depended on the section it was a section that I knew I wanted to pay more attention. I would not have headphones in and just kind of be in my own head. Yeah, I think there's, again, it's a great tool, the technology we have. But at times, I also found myself not paying attention. I'd get smacked in the head by a branch. (laughs) And, you know, no one else is around. So it's like, oh, it's one of those moments again. I don't know how many times that's happened that... I wish there was like hidden camera set up at those moments on trail mm-hmm. just to see who else does it. Cause I know other people do and not everybody admits it. I'm totally willing to admit I, I get distracted in, in my own head sometimes or into a song or into a podcast. And then it's like, Oh, or I'm looking down to change, you know, a selection. <laughs> right. And I look up and it's like, boom. boom. Oh, that just happened. That just happened. <laughs> That's going to leave a mark. Yeah. But I also, again, respect people that, you know, if they're really into a jam and it gets them up a hill, go for it. If it mm-hmm. Like I got engrossed in like a radio lab episode when I was in Colorado and I like stopped and rewound it uh, or revert or what is it? It got back to the spot where I like wasn't, didn't hear everything. I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to learn about this. And, you know, I tried to learn something when I was hiking and not just what the trail was teaching me, but like what, you know, what's out there in science or in the world. And uh, I did not follow the news or the like 24 hour news cycle or politics. Like I stayed away from all of that. Like when I went online, it was to update social media. And my one guilty pleasure is like reading up on sports. Like that's my distraction when I get to town. It's not like, Oh, what did our current administration do now? It was Hey, how's the basketball playoffs going? Or how's, you know, I don't know. That was like my one way to distract myself. Cause I knew if I started going down a rabbit hole of politics and things, I would get kind of depressed. And uh, again, I, yeah, it, it's, I, whatever side people lean on, I respect that. It's just when I'm out there, that's not what I'm out there for. Um, and I've seen that before and I've experienced it where someone's out there and you want to be open with each other, but it's like when it gets to a certain point for me, I'm walking away. Like I don't like people preaching when they're out there. Um, that's, that's one thing that that's probably my, one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm out there with experiences with other hikers and other outdoor recreationists is 
It's like, hey, it's a, you know, we say it's a free country. That's great. But can you just see that I'm not out here for that? I respect that you have opinions. Please respect my space. And I think that applies in the real world as well. So not not just totally through hiking bubble people live in when they're through hiking. How now when you were hiking, not necessarily just road walking, but when you were hiking with uh, the headphones, like did you just have one in? Did you have both in, or like how are you how are you managing that? Yeah, I usually had both in, and I'm pretty. I guess I've learning on the first hike was just how to be really in tune with my body and my senses i would keep the volume down unless it was something like a podcast i was really trying to get into but on trail it was usually low volume and on the road depending on how trafficked it was it was probably regular volume or louder if it was really high traffic Mm -hmm. and sometimes i would hike with one and then I'd switch off to even them out. I'm just kind of weird like that, I guess. Or maybe it's the yoga side of things of like evening things out. But <laughs> you got to have balance. Yeah. Uh, but usually it was two because I, I, I dislike just having one ear take all of it in. And But I there's never a point where I couldn't really hear anything. Like there are definitely times that I heard something over the music or over the uh, show I was listening to it take them off right away and you know stop listen there might have been a few times where I didn't hear something but most of the time it was probably like a deer that spooked me and uh, I you know for a second would think it was a bigger animal and um, but if I was talking to someone else I wouldn't I would never have headphones in uh, but that was rare at the same time talking to other people as I hiked so when I did have those conversations yeah no, no headphones and then yeah, it's everybody's got their preferences when they're out there, and um, some people blast their music, which I'm not. Again, maybe a little bit more of a pet peeve nowadays. Uh, I get it when you're in bear country, but if you're always blasting your music on your Bluetooth speaker, like, just <laughs> be respectful. Yeah. <laughs> not people aren't again we're all out there trying to find ourselves or find something and when you hear nickelback blow up when you're walking by <laughs> you're like oh boy <laughs> it's gonna be one of those days <laughs> oh man so yeah and sound's gonna really carry out there too yeah especially in canyons and stuff um but yeah i, I don't know the numbers um, but i do see i've seen more of that in the last two years Mm-hmm. and I get it when you're hiking with your trail family, like everybody wants to listen to the same thing. But if you're running to other groups consistently, just again, be respectful of the space and the outdoors. Yeah, definitely. Now you had, you had alerted, alluded earlier to sort of that first night or that first period on the trail, that first time around, like what, what scared you then? So my first night in 2016, uh, humbling in so many ways. One, I, I started with a 45 pound pack, way too heavy, uh, six liters of water, way too much 
for, for me, I should clarify that. Mm-hmm. I know some people need six liters. Um, I did not because in the first 20 miles, I think I drank a liter and a half. So I was carrying an extra four and a half liters the entire time. So <laughs> You were prepared. Yeah, I guess. And then I filled it up at Lake Marina and kept going. I should have stopped, but I went another seven and a half miles. And my feet were starting to blister because I had the wrong shoes. I had ordered shoes, but they hadn't arrived yet. So I figured I'd start with my Nike runners. Not bad idea for me. Again, mm-hmm. some people that works. Uh, I was scared that I might not be able to come back to the trail because I, I was trying to get to Scissors Crossing and then get off trail for a little bit because my parents were coming back from a trip abroad. So I wanted to see them once before I departed for good because I wasn't going to stop again after that. And I, I got a blister on the ball of my foot. Literally, it was the ball of my foot. It started uh, as a hot spot. I wish I had taken a photo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I had to take three days off. Well, one, it timed out to where my parents were coming back. But then I got the right shoes when I discovered Ultras, which, not a plug, but I have wide feet. They fit my feet great. So, And that was what you did the rest of it with? Yep. Okay. Yeah, um, but I was just scared that I'd been so stubborn, which will play a part in the calendar year triple crown side of these things as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if this blister doesn't heal? <laughs> I've got three days and I'm getting back on trail. And I remember getting to the campsite. I There was a perfectly good campsite at 26 miles. I decided to keep going. Like it was a campground, mm-hmm. but I decided to keep going. Why? Because I thought, oh, if I do some more miles at night, I'll get to this spot where I'm supposed to meet my friend to pick me up uh, at a more reasonable time, stubbornness, and uh, I get to I get up the hill about half a mile, and I reach down for my maps in my hip pocket. They're gone. I'm like, oh. oh, oh, great. I just lost my maps. Again, I'm a, I have a flip phone. So I was going to say, and the flip phone. Yeah. So I don't have apps like everybody else. And I was just thinking like, okay, maybe this is a good lesson for you, Tyler. One, you're really stubborn. Two, you need to relax. <laughs> like, what is the rush? <laughs> Three, your feet hurt. And that was my first experience that night of trail magic and the trail providing because as I contemplated, like, where the heck can I camp? There was nowhere to camp because I was on the side of a hill. Like, my my goal, I knew there was a site, like, further ahead. There was, like, some flats o- overlooks. I didn't know how far they were because I'd lost my map. <laughs> it all comes back to that last map. Yeah. I heard voices and I turned around and I saw lights. I'm like, wait, what? Are there other hikers right now? No way. You know, this is... This is probably like 10 p.m. now. And it was dark. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Well, I'm going to stop here and wait for them to come up. And I'll ask them if they saw my maps. And then I'll drop my stuff, go back and get them. Turned out to be two ultra runners training. They were doing an out and back. So I think 60 miles. So they're doing like 30 miles one way, 30 miles the other. I was like, like. Okay, crazy. Hey, 
did you guys see my maps? I was like, you mean these maps? I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Holy crap. Like, yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see hikers all the time that's sleeping on the side of the trail in this section. But uh, yeah, we're going down back, so we might see in the morning. I'm like, dude, you don't know how much that means to me. And I got the maps. I went in like another mile, found a spot. But <laughs> me being so tired at that point, I didn't set up my tent properly. <laughs> and I just put my fly over my tent without making it taut. So I also didn't blow up my sleeping pad because I was so tired. <laughs> so I slept on the ground pretty much. Mm-hmm. And all the condensation that night just you know, got on my sleeping bag and everything. I woke up, so I was like, uh, I really don't know about this. <laughs> I feel like I've made some poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this gets better. And I got up, packed up, you know, got going, and lo and behold, like 30 minutes later, I saw those two guys running back. <laughs> like, oh, hey. <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? I was like, good. And cool. We're going to go finish our run. I'm like, man, have fun. Thanks again. You know. So they were running all night Jeez. Um, just to beat the heat. And yeah, I got to Mount Laguna that day. It was a struggle. It was a big struggle because my blister just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I got there and I called my friend like, hey, I'm not going to make it to Scissors Crossing. I need you to come to Mount Laguna to get me. And yeah, I when I got back to my parents' place, I just thought about that like what all right let's think about those first two days what happened what did you do wrong what could you work on you know i i did my own shakedown because i didn't want other people to do a shakedown to realize what i was carrying and got rid of some stuff had the right shoes figure out the water a little better and just tried to set my ego aside you know, I came in thinking, oh, I'm in great shape because I've been running a lot. I've been climbing a lot. I've been doing yoga a lot. But I wasn't hiking with my full pack weight a lot before the trail. And that's what really killed me is you can cross train a ton. But until you put full pack weight on and start walking with it, you never know what that feels like. So that was biggest takeaway from that that and just making sure to set aside my ego and reminding myself why i was out there it wasn't to prove anything to anybody else it was to prove to myself that i could learn and then you turned around and got back out there uh yeah yeah i did yeah i got back out did about 10 miles that first day and i was just like yeah you know what that's a good pace (laughs) (laughs) this is a better choice i ran into this couple the graduate and T-Rex who would also go on to do the triple crown last year. Um, and I ended up staying with them for 800 miles. So, and they, they were the ones that bestowed the prodigy trail name on me because I was able to keep up with them because they were doing 30 miles a day. So the 10 miles a day thing went out the window when I met them, <laughs> but I also realized again, you, for folks that are, I think there's this, there's this thing, which is why I stay off message boards. Of there, There's a lot of fear-mongering online, like what you should bring, what you shouldn't bring. Right. That's really up to you. It's up to your comfort level and what you're willing to get rid of along the way as well. 
and what you're willing to change. It's really your preference. And again, I learned along the way, like what I needed, what I didn't. I started ditching things. I started, you know, using things for multi-use. And that's kind of how I've taken that and run with that since that first hike of if I can have one item that can do two or three things, it's better than carrying three things. Right. I think it's hard with the just in case mentality when you go to gear shops like, Oh, you need this, you need that just in case. It's like, well, (laughs) then you start adding all these things and it's more things to worry about when you're hiking. Like, Oh, I'm going to lose this and that and this, I got stuff hanging off my pack. And if that's how you want to hike, Again, go for it. For me personally, the less stuff I have in my pack, the less I have to worry about. And if it's multi-use, like a phone, which is your camera, a new GPS device as well, awesome. I I could see a lot of people starting a hike, particularly their first hike, in that just-in-case mentality. And then as you get comfortable out there, as you have more experience out there, as the weight weighs on you out there you start getting to the less is more yeah and i i think that's a beautiful part of the trail is you'll learn or you'll stay stubborn the whole time and that's fine but mm-hmm. you'll you'll learn as you go and i don't want to tell anybody what to do i'm willing to offer my opinion and my advice if you want to shake down which you know I've, i did a few for a few hikers this year at trail magic but I also, you know, would just ask them like, well, why do you think you need this? And if it's like they had a good reason for themselves, I'm like, great. I'm not going to tell you to throw it away. <laughs> right. Especially, I think it's it's tough for people from abroad that come here and they have six months to do it because of their visa. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but I bought this. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And I, <laughs> But I don't think you need a cast iron. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't have anybody happen this year, but that. There was there were some folks in 2017 that were carrying cast iron. So, wow, it's a good weapon. Yeah, no, def- definitely great for bears and mountain lions and um, uh, and a rattlesnake here or there. Yeah, and knocking down tent poles and um, I don't know what else. <laughs> we're trying to get we're trying to make it a multi-use. Yeah, no, uh, oh yeah, um, what was it? You can uh, you can trick rangers in the sierras if they knock on your pack oh yeah that's my bear can (laughs) (laughs) oh there you go oh i didn't say that though sorry i I apologize to any rangers listening (laughs) that's right it never heard that nope no one's ever done that now fast forward and you're gonna do the calendar year triple crown and based on kind of what you had posted online you were having some foot issues there too. Or yeah. feet issues. So, <laughs> going back to the stubbornness in 2016, apparently it carried over. Um, so I'm going to try if I do anything else in the future not to carry that mentality over. I decided to start the hike with Graduate and T-Rex because they also wanted to do it. And... They have their training regimen. They're very, you know, methodical with it. I'm more lackadaisical, maybe is the right word, with that at times. And there was a point, I think, 
maybe a month and a half before we were about to, no maybe like two months before we were going to start like hey how's your training going I'm like uh you know I'm just chilling they're like dude <laughs> get going I'm like okay fine and i just had this mentality of like i'm just gonna go hard so i put on a i put a bunch of weight in my day pack and just started running hills because that's what they do <laughs> but they do it they build up to it i just mm-hmm. jump straight into it and um not a smart thing to do even though i was feeling good and i had a weight vest too and i would go to the gym and do the stairmaster for an hour at a time and one day i had this foot pain and i realized okay this is not a good foot pain and then i finally realized i couldn't bear any weight on it and i started to freak out like did i just give myself a stress fracture <laughs> because i did that in high school when i ran cross country i just overtrained and i hadn't had one since high school but i knew the feeling of it and i really started to freak out went to the doctor they took x-rays nothing um there but they said if you wanted to know for sure we could do an mri but you know mris are not um affordable per se there's no group on mris so i started to freak out because then my other foot started flaring up which is not good and i couldn't bear any weight at all i couldn't do downward dog when i went to yoga without foot pain which is not a good sign and no they the doctor just said hey you need to take two weeks off here's some really strong anti-inflammatories because my feet were swollen as well <laughs> oh jesus yeah and i was like two weeks off but i'm leaving for this hike in a you know a month like two weeks off it's like uh so i went dark i didn't talk to anybody you know graduate t-rex tried to message me and i didn't answer their calls i got in this little mini uh depression slash i was sulking and i was i was just angry at myself like you did it again before something that's even bigger like there's no time to heal this time like if if you start this there's really zero time because we're starting so late so i beat myself up and then after the two weeks you know my feet felt better but i hadn't done anything physically um, hadn't worked out, you know, so I told myself, I'm going to do a test hike of the PCT. I'm going to do this section from I interstate 10 to interstate 15 slash Wrightwood. And if I can do that, well, I'm going to judge how I feel, but if I can do it, maybe I can at least attempt this calendar triple. So I convinced my parents to drop me off. Um, they were worried, obviously, because they knew I was <laughs> going through foot issues. But I said, hey, you know, if it gets bad, I'll turn around. I don't know if I believed myself when I said it, but... <laughs> but it sounded <laughs> good. I'd started and, uh, you know, met other hikers that year that had already started. And it was cool just to be back in that community mindset. And then I realized that first day, my feet weren't in serious pain but all the muscles and ligaments were crying <laughs> and so it wasn't a stress fracture they, they said it was inflammation possible stress reaction because of the overtraining 
so I just kept going, but everything hurt. It was sore, <sighs> aching. Like I remember getting to the camp the second night and not being able to like walk down to the water regularly. And I was like, oh man, this sucks. <laughs> but a few days later, I did my first 40 mile day ever. I hadn't even done a 40 mile day the first time I hiked the PCT. And wow. I just thought to myself, you know, if you can do this off two weeks off, you should at least give the calendar year triple a chance. So, yeah, that was that was the final push. Like it, that got me over the fear of not being able to do it because I was also enrolled in school before I decided to drop out and try the uh, <laughs> calendar triple. So I was like, well, I can't go back to school and I can't do this. What am I going to do with my life? And um, that that gave me the confidence to at least try it. So, yeah. But as I as I followed the postings you started kind of the beginning ish of april on the pct or at the at campo no so so that test hike was from uh cabazon to wrightwood pretty much right and just because that's the easiest place for uh drop off and pick up from near where my parents are so then I went to the start of the CDT at the Southern Terminus. Ah, uh, got Mexico, it. Okay. did 500 miles-ish to Cuba, New Mexico, flew out of, you know, got a ride to Albuquerque, flew, or and then drove from Albuquerque back to the PCT, started at the Southern Terminus and went northbound. But when I got to Cabazon slash I-10, I decided... I'm not going to do this again because I already did it a few weeks ago. I'm going to go to where I stopped and Wrightwood and continue. So technically, I, I, you know, I, I had to start my hike technically as my test hike, but I was okay with that because I'd already done it. And it didn't make sense to do that, um, whatever, 150, 160 miles right. again in my head. So my hike technically started a few weeks before graduating T-Rex's hike. And then when I started at Wrightwood, I got to Agua Dulce or Hiker Heaven and got picked up again by my parents. My brother and his family were flying back from Hong Kong and it was my nephew's first birthday and I wasn't going to miss his first birthday. So it, it timed out right where I was able to spend a few days with them and then get back on trail, catch up with graduate T-Rex and then we finished the PCT together. Did you then go on and hike the other trails with them at all, or you guys were just keeping in contact? So we finished the PCT together. We were able to figure out rides and rental cars to get to the CDT. And so from the northern terminus of the PCT, we figure out we got a ride to Bellingham, rented a car, went to uh Missoula, where my friend gave us a ride to Glacier. <laughs> so we went southbound to where we stopped in New Mexico uh, back in May. So kind of a weird loop. And I finished a day before them on the CDT. And then we all flew to Maine and started the AT together, but that's when we really started breaking off. And when I say I hiked with them, they're they much quicker hikers, probably the fastest hikers I've ever seen and experienced. Uh, we would mostly meet at like 
water stops and camp and uh, in town. But on the CDT, we really started to uh, break off and kind of go our own paces. And then a wildfire closure kind of threw us off a little bit. And that's when I met a guy named Pathfinder, who was also attempting a calendar year triple crown. Weird, weird way the trail works. But um, <laughs> I ended up hiking with him for a few hundred miles. And then uh, he he actually did a single year triple crown. So he finished two weeks after I did. So technically he finished a single year triple crown is what he's saying. So I I think it's semantics in a weird way because he went through exactly what we went through and worse, I feel like, but that's what he's saying. So I'm going to support his decision. Right. It's, it's still within 365 days. It's just, yeah, it's just, it wasn't 2018 to 2018. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, I got to New Hampshire and literally it was right after the border of Maine and New Hampshire that my right quad, I don't know what happened. I'm pretty sure it was a quad strain because of how cold it was. I couldn't go downhill without almost screaming. Like I had to grunt and make noises. Like it hurt a lot. It felt like it was being pulled apart, Ah. pushed together and exploding at the same time. And I got really worried like that was going to be it. So, um, graduate T-Rex kept going and they, uh, they finished a few days before me, I think December 27th. Yeah. How did you, you just continued to walk even with that or did you, I took some time off Okay. and, uh, visited some friends. I, that was, that was the roughest time for me. I was contemplating quitting. Um, and stopping it was it was brutal because I knew what had happened in April with my feet mm-hmm. it's like well and then you came back everything was sore but this time I guess I already had you know 5,000 plus miles under my belt so I knew I, I wouldn't lose all my fitness but it was the mental grind and I think that is always the toughest part. Like hiking these trails is very physical, but it's your mental fortitude that really takes a beating. Because particularly when you don't have things to distract you. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched a lot of Netflix as I sat there at my friend's house, but <laughs> I also thought about it. It got back to that, you know, the question you asked earlier, your mark, your legacy. And I was like, well, what if this is it? What if this is my body saying you're done? Like you, you used up your nine lives, you know, when you ran away from that thunderstorm or all that other stuff. And I really questioned everything again. And I I just decided I had to get back out there and it wasn't easy. There were, I think I questioned it every day from there on out, especially when I got to Pennsylvania or Rocksylvania, as a lot of people say it, and it started, that was the first snowstorm of the year, and it was an early snowstorm, of course, (laughs) so that was rough, Uh, got to Harper's Ferry, and talked to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy there, and they said, this has been the wettest year on record across every state on the AT, and I'm like, of course it has, why wouldn't (laughs) it, (laughs) and um, the thing that really helped me keep going though was the kindness of 
strangers and friends that I hadn't talked to in years. Tons of help in Virginia. Like the, the amount of help I received in Virginia as far as people offering to bring food and come out or like letting me stay in their house, unreal. Um, I, I cannot thank those people enough. Um, everybody that helped me has gotten a handwritten letter, by the way. So like I spent a week writing my hand hurt after the trail, but, um, it, the, the kindness you experience on trail is, is just a great reminder that there's, there's good in this world. Even if our new cycle and media doesn't portray it, like there's, there's so much good that happens. And especially I think because you're stuck in the through hiker bubble, it's intensified. Mm-hmm. Just the littlest things. It's like getting a ride to town when it's pouring rain. This guy pulls over and is like, you ride to town? I'm like, yes, I do. Please. <laughs> or someone offering you a soda or someone offering to buy you lunch. It's like, Whoa, I don't know you. But and I, I, like, I don't want you to use your own money but they're like so they're so delighted just to spend a little bit of time hearing about your story and there's like it's just it's one of those things and there were a lot of people in AT that helped me I didn't tell them I was doing the triple crown because again that's not what I start with (laughs) it was just like yeah I'm hiking they're like why are you still hiking like I know I ask myself that every day and it just goes back to the the trail provides like there's something it's so easy to say and for people that haven't hiked it's hard to understand but in your moments where you're at your worst or at your worst moments or when you feel down and out something happens i don't know what it is <laughs> but people people come through the trail comes through like i I pictured crying when I got to the end because I wasn't even sure I was going to make it. But I think I did most of my crying as I walked. <laughs> it was, but it wasn't like, it was more like I'd tear up thinking about people that had helped me along the way or just moments where I really was like, this sucks. What am I doing? I think about, you know, my family, I think about friends. Like, I feel like I, all my tears came out as I hiked, and that's why I didn't I didn't start bawling at the end. <laughs> Who was there on 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 uh, Springer Mountain to welcome you when you when you arrived? So, uh, my friend Kashmir, who I didn't officially meet her in 2016, but she had hiked the PCT in 2016, and we had crossed paths, and she had been hiking with another friend. But I met her going southbound on the CDT uh, in Montana and Idaho when I had linked up with Pathfinder. And that day, we knew there was a wildfire ahead of us. We didn't know how big, but it was a game of telephone. Every northbounder we met that day told us something different. (laughs) And she was the last northbounder we met that day. And even though I didn't know her personally, I looked up. I was like, Kashmir? I knew who she was through photos and like just different interactions with other people. And she was like, wait, what? It's like, all right, long story short, but here's how we know each other, but don't. And 
she gave us a very good detailed weather report as I would expect from a retired university professor. (laughs) That was all I needed after that. I was like, we can trust her report. It's -hmm. not that we couldn't trust everybody else. It just kept, the fire kept getting bigger every North boundary we ran into. So, and then she told us a cold front was moving in, which for anybody that knows what cold fronts do, they bring a lot of wind. And if there's a wildfire going, that's very bad. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. And I said, Hey, you know, we're going to try to finish by December Are you, and she's from Atlanta. So it's like, you happen to be around, she's like, give me a call, keep in touch. And I stayed in touch, uh, when I got to Virginia on the AT in North Carolina, I was like, Hey, here's my projected date, you know, and it kept changing because I wasn't sure if I was going to make it in time. And then I remember messaging her, uh, I forget the town now. But I was like, I'm three days away if the weather holds. Like, I knew storms had, were coming in, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I had until December 31st. So Right. Um, but I got to the first shelter on the AT, the official AT, not their approach trail. And right. I stopped at that junction, and I remember filming myself. Because I knew I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen when I got to the top. As I alluded to earlier, I wasn't sure if I was going to cry or not or scream. I wanted to do a lot of things, but I decided to stop and film myself. And I rewatched this video the other day. It's just you know I'm <clears throat> doing a panorama shot, it's like talking to the camera. I don't know what to feel right now because I'm, I know I'm a few hundred yards from this point that i've been aiming for since april and long before that i just wanted to stop and record this moment and then this family walked by and i said hi i turned off the video and then the last guy in the line turned around and said are you the prodigy by chance (laughs) like wait what I know I'm not that famous, so <laughs> I'm not famous at all. So I don't know what this is. And it just caught me off guard. And then they're like, oh, your friend Cashmere is at the top waiting for you. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense. And they said, congratulations. And I know I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but that's another little tiny pet peeve of mine when people congratulate you before you get to the finish. Mm-hmm. I know everybody's goals are different, but for me, when like on the PCT, everybody congratulates you when they see your heart's pass. And you're like, I'm not at the terminus yet, <laughs> but I get what you're coming from. I just, for me, I just need to get to the terminus first before someone congratulates me. So, but at that point, I knew I was 200 yards away, and it's like, okay, you got to just accept this now. <laughs> and I got to the top, and I actually put my headphones in and queued up a song that I've known been known to tear up in because I wanted to get ready. I was like, I'm going to cry. I need to You're let priming. out emotion right now. But I didn't. <laughs> like I, I could tell tears wanted to come out, but they didn't come out. And Cashmere was taking photos, and I remember like holding my you know face palm, like face and palm together. I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. what is going on? I can't believe this is happening right now. 
and there were other people up there. So I don't know if that was throwing me off, but I think you, you have this image of what it's going to be like for any hike. And then you get there and it's wait, that's it. That's what I was, this thing right here, this monument, this last blaze, that's what I've been walking for. And it's easy to think that way because then after the hike, you get a, you get time to decompress a little and you're like, wait a second. You can't just say that was it. But in the moment, like that, that's it right there. That's the end of my journey. And, you know, did, did my usual photo shoot, but also was trying really hard to like soak it in. Just like what, literally what just happened? <laughs> like I, I had two days to spare. <laughs> yeah. Like what in the hell? I, I didn't, I didn't know how to express anything. I don't remember what I wrote in the journal up there. I have no idea what I wrote. I cannot remember for the life of me. I usually <laughs> try to write poems. Uh-huh. I don't know if I did or not. <laughs> Um, it, it was just hard to put into words and I mean, the AT broke me. Like I, I, I know a lot of people say that, but it literally broke me down to just being a human and a human that would have to catch himself complaining about walking. It's like, wait, that's what I came out here to do. And I'm thankful. I'm super thankful Kashmir was there. Obviously, it's great to know you have someone there and to have a ride to a house and um, you can get to the airport. But I I don't know what else. I wanted so much at the end, I think. I had been envisioning it the previous few weeks and maybe I just was forcing it too much and instead of letting it come out naturally and but, you know, there were a ton of people up there that day and you know, Kashmir was telling them what I was doing. I'm like, no, no, you don't, don't, <laughs> don't, please don't. Um, it was just weird. And, but again, humbling. You know, there was a group of scouts up there and they were talking about wanting to do it one day. I'm like, hey, I didn't have the greatest experience, but if these trails have taught me anything, it's the community humbles you the trail humbles you and you will find more about yourself than you thought you knew and i think that's kind of almost the most amazing thing about it you you go in with a certain expectation you go in with a certain idea and then the trails kind of knock you on your ass and turn you upside down and say nope this is this is really what you need to, to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Your priorities and your goals and your dreams and, and your needs at all. It all comes out when you're out there. Yeah. How much did you think about as you were doing each of the trails and as the end of the year was approaching, how much was that December 31st deadline on your mind? It was on it a lot because I knew there was another storm that rolled into Virginia that slowed me down. And then I knew there were more storms coming and I knew it wasn't going to be snow luckily, or that was the hope, but mm-hmm. there'd be lightning and flash flooding. 
Yeah, I, actually, so it was right after, I think, Franklin, North Carolina. I had just passed a shelter, and there was a there were a bunch of downed trees from the storm that hit earlier, and trail crews weren't out. You know, it was winter. It was just after Christmas. It was the day after Christmas, I think. Or it was Christmas. No, it was Christmas Day. Maybe that's what it was. It was one of those. I can't remember now off the top of my head. But I got down to get around it or under it. And I just remember something going into my eye and thinking, you have got to be kidding me. And it was a branch that I just did not see. And it went straight into my left eye. And I remember backing away from it and realizing it was it gone in a good depth and yeah. my eye hurt so i was worried it'd been punctured yeah and then i got around it wasn't punctured because i could see but i couldn't open my eye like, it hurt and then i remember having to walk with one eye and how difficult that was and how much that sucked and just thinking, what if this is serious? I have to get off trail. Like that's not something you can take care of, like on your own. Right. Yeah. And then I got to the next whatever town it was, and got a ride. And I thought about going to the eye doctor, but it was a weekend. It was right after the holidays. I'm like, all right, this is dumb. I guess. Maybe this is like the final test from the trail or this is the trail finally saying, you know, we gave you a warning with your right quad and your hamstring, but here's like your final warning. And I just decided to sleep it off for a night, just stay on my left side and like keep my eye closed and remember buying eye drops. Um, I guess, yeah, I slept a lot (laughs) that day and night and then next day felt better. So but knew so it was it wasn't punctured, but it, it wasn't great, and uh, still actually haven't gone to an eye doctor yet. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I kept going, and when I got to when I heard about the storms coming in, just knew like, all right, you have no more time to waste, and I you just I've been hiking in rain most of the AT and cold and been miserable, but just knew at this point. Like, either put an eye patch on and go, or you're done. And just kept going. I put on a trash bag that was literally on top of my raincoat. And there's uh, I ran to another hiker. He sent me the photo. He took a photo of me. He's like, because he found out what I was doing. And that was, I think that summed up my AT right there. At some point, I'd like to post that photo because you could just see I'm tired. I'm beat, I'm scraggly, but I'm smiling. <laughs> and were you I knew smiling, I was close. Okay, were you smiling for the picture or were you smiling because you were genuinely feeling that? I think initially it was for the picture, but I also realized like I'm a day away from Springer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could finish tonight if i hiked in the night but i'd done enough night hiking on the at to know that it's not fun and it i think yeah i was looking at that photo just thinking to myself like maybe maybe that's where your emotion was right there it wasn't at the finish 
it was before the finish because you you've been thinking about this for eight months you weren't sure about it six months ago <laughs> and you're so close even if you have to walk one eye one leg you're going to drag yourself up to Springer Mountain yeah at that point it's just a formality but I also wasn't getting cocky because I knew that the eye <laughs> was a good was a good reminder like anything can happen out there so yeah. it was uh I got to that I forget that shelter now but it's eight miles from the finish and I met two uh students college students they were in their last semesters and started talking and they you know eventually asked like what do you mean you've been hiking since april it's like oh well started this thing and you know their eyes grew wide and they're like yeah we'd love to hike the at after college i'm like hey i wish i did something like that after college and it just it got back to like you know what it's not all bad the weather wasn't great. The trail beat you down. But these interactions, these last like two days when you actually met people, like it reminds you that we all, again, have our own journeys and we're all out there. We all have different experiences. Some are more experienced than this. Others are not. And I, I was them my first time hiking. It, it brought it kind of full circle. It was like not to put myself in legend shoes, but it almost felt like this has happened in my life before, but now I'm in a different position. And now I can be the one that helps someone else. You can inspire somebody else with the possibility. Yeah. And to be honest, I just thought about that, thinking about that interaction right now. Like that's not something I wrote down or anything. That's That just came out naturally. It is. It is the, I think that is in one respect, the greatest gift we can give somebody else, which is their awareness that it is possible, that something is possible, that, that a dream that they have is absolutely possible um, because they've seen you do it or you've made it, um, you've made it possible for them. Yeah, I, I, I sure hope so. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you go back and you think about the moments that you were down and you fell out and then you get a message later on from someone. It's like, I hope you know that we've been following you from the beginning and are proud to know that someone who looks like us or has been through similar things as us is out there trying this and like even the attempt meant so much and to like temper my expectations as well. I got so focused at times on what if I don't do it instead of just like get to the next town, get to the next water source, which is I'm usually really good at. But when I was hurting on the AT, my mindset was jumbled and being affected by everything around me and then those donations that started rolling in as I was hiking towards the end like really that kept me going like okay I can make a difference even the smallest but it's uh 
We don't, we never do it alone. Like, yeah, we're out there, but the community around you, like that, that really helped me finish. It wasn't just me. Like, yes, it was me and my legs, but if it wasn't for those comments, those posts, those phone calls, those messages, I don't know if I would have continued. It's, it's hard. It's hard and easy to say. Because to go back and try to relive those moments, like there was so much going through my head. And I think a lot of people are dealing with that now on the PCT of like the Sierras and the snow. And like, is it a through hike if I jump ahead and come back? And we get so caught up in the end result and forget to live each day when we're out there. It's an interesting conundrum. You know, and I know that people have a lot of conversations about it, about what those terms, how do you define them? What do they actually mean? Um, as opposed to potentially acknowledging or accepting people's different opinions or ideas about what those things mean and what they mean to you personally. Yeah. It's, it's funny, like one of the things that popped into my mind as you were talking and you were talking about, you know, you're not being sure about, about the amount of, of change or, or impact that, that the calendar year triple crown had. The analogy that sprang into my mind or the, the image that sprang into my mind is, is that analogy of, you know, when you throw a rock into a, a lake, you see the ripples. And then the ripples die off and you wonder if anything has changed. But now the rock is on the bottom of the, the river or the, the pond, which means that everything has changed. Wow. Is all I can think about <laughs> right now. <laughs> Just a, a slight existential conversation for you. <laughs> but I, but I feel like that's kind of like what your hike really was is. You know, there, there's small ripples that go out that are very visible and, and that kind of thing. But obviously there's, there's a much bigger thing that's happened. Conversations, the possibilities based on, because of the people that you met out there and, and putting the idea into their heads, the people who followed you online, um, or the people that stumble across something that you've posted three years from now that opens up a possibility. Um, and that's, to me, for me, that's uh, amazing. So I guess I'm saying thank you for all of those people. I mean, I I, I thank them for for reading and um, just even wanting to to do what they want to do, and um, if they want to help diversify the outdoors. And I mean, I, I thank them. I mean, I I think I talked about struggling with posting stuff earlier. Is to really bring about change, I had to put my own face out there and I was really reluctant to do that. And it wasn't until I started posting with my own pictures as opposed to pictures of other people, which I've done a lot of on uh, social media. Like that's when I started noticing a change. And I think your analogy really hit me just now of like someone had to be the first one. Yeah whether they wanted to or not. And it's how, how I deal with that and how I'm willing to accept that and use that as a platform. I think moving forward, 
that that'll that'll be the defining thing i think in this hike and because in the end i tell people i just went for a really long walk (laughs) but (laughs) in in the simplest terms went for a very long walk but yeah it's it's those those ripples and then what happens when the rock settles that's yeah yeah you got me thinking now (laughs) fantastic um because obviously you've got me thinking so what we we talked because i i feel like the the at had a had a huge impact on you it was the last it was very difficult because of the weather and conditions and all of that kind of stuff but circling back to the beginning of that hike like what is your most vivid memory of the pct of doing the pct the first time i did it uh well i was thinking more along the lines of the calendar year one but it could be either huh that's a great question most vivid um i might have to go back to the first hike because washington holds a very special place in my heart and when i was hiking through there in 2016 I got to Glacier Peak Wilderness and there's a tiny little sign, like literally the tiniest of wilderness signs. And I stood there and I had this feeling, it just overcame my body, mind and soul that everything was okay in the world, in the universe. And I could just lay down here for the rest of my life or I could just lay down and close my eyes and be done. And I'd be okay with it. I haven't had that feeling since. Like I've been to a lot of special places, but that's the best way I can describe it. I was willing to sit down or lay down right there. I remember looking up, looking around me, mountains, green, blue sky. There was, I was, I felt so good. And that's putting it as simply as I can. Like there was just everything in me was calm, but it like there was good in the world and everything that was good was right there. And I was okay going back to, you know, the thoughts I had about life and death. I just remember thinking I could, I could lay down right there and close my eyes and I'd be cool with it. It was a pure moment. Yeah. Oh, and I remember going back to that spot last year, and it wasn't quite the same. It was still amazing and beautiful. It might have changed a little, too, because there was like a party of 50 doing a mountaineering course (laughs) nearby. But (laughs) yeah, I didn't have the same feeling. And I think you were going to ask if... I was going to ask Ashley on the CDT, what's your most most vivid memory of the CDT? Huh. The CDT really grew on me. I did not like it at first, uh, especially Southern New Mexico. That probably had a part or was probably because, you know, I'd just come back, (laughs) start hiking again. So that played a part, but 
I do remember just staring down a moose <laughs> in Glacier. <laughs> I rounded a corner. So I, I went the wrong way in the morning. So I added six miles to my hike. <laughs> and nice. So instead of a 40-mile day, it was a 46-mile day. And I just remember rounding the corner, and there was a moose in the middle of the trail. I think I had posted a photo of it at some point. I don't remember now. And I just remember looking at it thinking, yep. And I started talking to it. Like, I went the wrong way. This is how I started. This is how the CDT has been for me. I've gotten lost so many times because I did not decide to read my maps this morning. And, you know, it ran away a little bit. And I'd come up on it again and run away a little. And this, it was a <laughs> large female moose. It was... <laughs> If it really wanted to, I could have been done for, but I'm glad it didn't uh, revert to uh, self-defense. And I kind of took it as like an analogy for my CDT experience up to that point. I'd gotten lost several times. One time really good in New Mexico. Like I got way off trail (laughs) and had to bushwhack for four miles trying to get back to the trail and i just thought about it it just like this is this is how this is this trail is gonna go i need to do a better job paying attention but just the ex- interaction with the moose and how i was talking to it <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, i wonder i wonder in some way if like animals really can understand us like not through language per se but just tone yeah tone and uh just this energy that you're giving out because in a sense it almost looked worried (laughs) it was worried for you yeah that's how i took it so i'm anthropomorphizing it but um it's it was just one of those things i'm like great now i have zero wiggle room to get to the store before it closes so um yeah, I, I think about that. I don't know why that one came up just now, but I know there was another there there's probably a more vivid memory somewhere, but that was the first thing that popped in my head. So Yeah. Your hiking partner for the day was the moose. Uh for those maybe that quarter mile, yeah. Um and then it was me in my own head beating myself up again. Gosh, all you had to do was look at your map this morning and turn right (laughs) um yeah yeah i think i think that's the special part about the cdt is the the wildlife interactions slash encounters that you see out there it's just it just goes to show again you are a small part in this world like there's so much in nature we're all connected like every species is connected but you just see these giant animals just just munching on leaves and doing what moose do and and all all we can think about is traffic and what's our next meal and yeah it just resets your priorities and it i'm not gonna say humbled but it, (laughs) it made me appreciate those moments 
of even just it brought me back to being a kid and watching you know david attenborough or mm-hmm. Wild nature Kingdom. shows yeah and any any show i loved animal planet as a kid and and then it's like oh it's happening right before my eyes and no one's ever gonna believe it and that's okay yeah is there anything that you feel like we haven't talked about that we should? I I went into this just I was going with the flow, so I, I don't have no expectations. I wasn't even sure how this was going to start, but it started, and here we are. So <laughs> it sort of is like the hike. Yeah, yeah. I didn't train as much for this one though. So <laughs> <laughs> thank God. oh if uh if people want to follow your continuing journey um and adventures where can they do that or where would you like them to do that i am on instagram i mean i post to facebook as well but it's pretty much what's on instagram um but i do have a page on instagram or uh (laughs) sorry facebook it's hiking prodigy as well um I've told myself I've been working on a website and YouTube channel for a year now. Uh, if those go up, <laughs> it would be Hiking Prodigy as well for YouTube. And then uh, there is a welcome page on my website, hikingprodigy.com, but there's no links or anything yet. So to be determined, uh, I mostly post to Instagram and uh, feel free to message me there if, and trying to help out hikers this year as much as I can. So um, anybody that's wondering about the trails and if they could do it or not, I'm happy to chat with them and give any info, beta, happy to do shakedowns via the internet if they need. (laughs) But yeah, I'm mostly, mostly on there, but still struggle with whether or not to post or not. So, uh, We'll see. <laughs> the jury is still out. Yeah. Um, I, I actually re- remember that I do have one more kind of one more question for you. And it's circling back to something you had said earlier about the trail maintenance and things like that, that you were on those crews. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved with that? And or who were you working through? Like what organization or whatever were you working through? I got involved with it. After college, um, I had done programs like alternative spring breaks in college where instead of going to, say, like Cabo San Lucas and partying for a week, I volunteered at national parks like Sequoia, Kings Canyon, and Channel Islands um, and would learn about trail maintenance and uh, conservation work. And then I went to work in New Zealand for three months after college doing that and then came back to the States and discovered organizations like the student conservation association. And through them, I was able to travel the country and do projects, lead crews, build my skill set up. And I've worked for them a lot. I, I, I teach for them now. So I teach uh, trail building workshops for them which I love. I love teaching. I came back from one in Pennsylvania two weeks ago. 
So teaching new leaders and members how to build trails and maintain trails. And then I've worked for the government with the Forest Service, worked for the Nature Conservancy, worked for uh, the state. Um, Doing seasonal work, either you stick with one thing for a long time or you bounce around a lot. And for me, I've enjoyed bouncing around because it's allowed me to travel, experience new places, uh, build new skill sets, learn new things. And through that network too, of just, you have this network of people that turns out if you end up hiking one of the long trails, you might have some friends that live around there. So that was super helpful. Um, I've also worked for the Pacific Crest Trail Association. Um, I think I mentioned working on the PCT and yeah. I, th- I did that in 2017. So the year after I hiked, I worked on the PCT Literally, that was my office, the PCT, <laughs> and then <laughs> the next year I hiked. So I was on the PCT three years in a row. This is the first year I'm not spending an extended period of time on the trail, and it's weird. So great organization. They have a lot of volunteers. That's a majority of how trail work gets done is through volunteer work. So when people talk about or ask about how they can give back, sure, you can donate, and that's super appreciated. Like any Anything you can donate financially is awesome but give your time back as well if you can like volunteer in the office go do some trail maintenance and it doesn't have to be like the pcta or the atc or the cdtc if you have a local organization around you just go do trail work for a day and then i think it helps people appreciate trails so much more because when you hike on trails you're not really thinking like, how did this get here? Right. And how well kept is it? Yeah. But when you're building new trails or you're maintaining it and then you realize all the work that goes into it, it makes you appreciate it a lot more and you don't complain as much. You still complain, but you don't complain as much <laughs> about certain sections. Um, Cause then you have to realize, Oh, someone put that in. So they had to drag this boulder or this log that cut this tree and, so that that's my, I think, public service announcement is post-hike, please, <laughs> please volunteer. And right. easy to find because it's online. All you have to search is, you know, trail maintenance, trail work, volunteer, and tons of stuff will pop out. And all the big organizations, PCTA, ATC, CDTC, they all have volunteer crews. And are they all generally working during the summer or because of how far the tra- the trails travel, you can have a little bit of a year round kind of thing going on? Uh, as far as volunteers, I think it's year round depending on weather. Uh, obviously no crews are going to be out in the Sierras in the winter, but right. Uh, but they could be in the desert. Absolutely. Yeah. On the PCT they're year round, especially in Southern California. Um, and the AT, I believe, is year-round, really just depending on how much snow was on the ground. And the CDTC, yeah, the desert crews. And, uh, m- majority of the work goes in in the summers just because that's the best season to get crews in. And, yeah. you know, the, the projects range, too, from, you know, pretty mellow to strenuous. You just have to check on the project. Um, like some of the projects, you, you got to hike to get there. And other ones, it's more like a car camping type atmosphere which is fine it just really you know anytime you can give back to the trails i think is 
one, it's good karma. And then two, it's just, it's not easy to maintain 2,600 miles of trail. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You know, what, you know, maybe if the defense department wanted to <laughs> put the trails under their budget line, um, maybe just maybe, maybe there's an obvious defense uh, aspect to it. I mean, yeah. Didn't you see Red Dawn? Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't you want to be fighting alongside Crips Hemsworth? <laughs> of course. And I actually realized that there's another thing that I wanted to just quickly ask you about, um, which is your kind of your little project called Humans of the PCT or CBT yeah, or what have I, you. Yeah, feel free. Um, how did that start and, and where how and I guess why did that start and and kind of what was your premise behind it? Uh, yeah, so I think I alluded to not wanting to put my face out there because I put other yeah. people's faces out there. Uh, it started because of the Humans of New York blog. Um, mm-hmm. That's really popular. And it just got me thinking when I was hiking the trail, like all the different people you meet all the different backgrounds and histories and stories and just kind of started it as I was uh, working on the trail in 2017. And that was a big year. You know, you, st- you saw a significant jump in uh, hiker permits. There were times I was seeing 50 hikers a day, which is pretty nuts on that a trail like PCT. And I just, they were always walking through my work site. So not everybody would stop to ask what I was doing or what my crew was doing, but I'd have conversations with a lot of people. And then I'd tell them, you know, I'm with the PCTA. This is the trail crew I'm working with. And this is what we're doing. And some people, you, you get into a longer conversation and just thought, Oh, what if I post about these interactions online? Kind of like the humans in New York blog and, yeah, I did it then and uh, got a lot of hikers that year. Um, and I would meet specific hikers again as I went up the trail. It was always fun to catch up with them. Like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you since Mission Creek in the desert. And, it, you know, you got through the Sierras and they would show me photos of them doing creek crossings. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. I for somehow have missed. I've been in between the two big snow years lately. So like when people are going through in 2017, 2019, I'm like, I, I went through on a regular snow year and that was already bad enough. So yeah, it's just, I think it's a good way to just keep connected to the trail. And mm-hmm. I think something that we didn't really talk about is the post hike, yeah. like depression people can go through. It's very real. And I think that's why people just keep hiking and they want to do another one because you get it in your system and it's like, it's very cleansing, it's freeing. And then you go back to what you were doing before and maybe you realize that's not for you. So you go do another one because you want to find another out and you want to, you think like the answers are out there and maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but you miss that mentality. You miss that lifestyle because it really is a unique one. And people keep doing it. <laughs> so it's just one way for me to 
stay connected and not get too depressed and <laughs> um and to help other people if you know if someone picks up a story they see one of my posts like a recent one i did on about vets on a path uh, about a guy i met who had a severe heart attack a few years ago and decided to hike the trail to give back to the veteran community it's like how else would his story get out I'm, I'm not, that's not to say he doesn't have great social media skills. It was just one of those things. Like I can, I can help them too in a little, little way. Like I don't have a big audience per se, but it's just one way to share stories of the people you meet and it, cause it's not all this romanticized vision you see on social media. And I think that's another thing that I'm trying to get at is a lot of what you see in a lot of the traffic and a lot of the popular hikers always smiling they're always great they're always clean and it's like wait i was out there why is your shirt so clean (laughs) so yeah and just sharing stories because you know a lot of your experiences the connections you make out there and yeah i have a bunch to catch up on still for this year i have a few from last year and i don't know if i'll continue it afterwards uh, people have told me to make a separate account for it i just that seems like a lot of work for me but um again first world problem i can complain about and i know other people (laughs) have created accounts i know there's a people the pct a faces of the pct someone took the name humans of the pct already so it's i just started the hashtag and i I don't mind i would love for that to catch on if people every time other people post post the hashtag like i think it should be for everyone I don't have rights or ownership and I don't want any rights or ownership. It's about the community and hopefully it catches on when people listen to this. If not, whatever, but I think it's fun and hopefully it inspires people to get out there. And, um, but I, I am trying to find a balance between posting more about the diversity side of things and also promising people I'll post about their, uh, they're humans of the PCT blurb that I promised them a few months ago. So hopefully that answers the question. I said, hopefully a lot. (laughs) You're very hopeful. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I don't know if, if you were, when you, with what you just said, if you were alluding to this or not, but with your, you know, hashtag humans of the PCT in a, respect you're essentially celebrating the diversity of the trail within that because you're you're taking pictures of the people that you're meeting there and you're telling their stories and and it's all as you said before it's all different shapes and sizes ethnicities genders gender identities um you know race religions and and the whole bit so it's all part of the the greater scheme, Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, that was the plan from the beginning, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Speak a little louder. And when he finds ourselves wishing that we could make a bigger change. And links for Tyler's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Tyler for sharing his stories from the trails. 
and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you have through hiking adventures to share, we'd love to hear them. Please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.